Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And we're here to talk about how women are represented in the movies. Women are awesome. Women are the best. I love women. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Well, as long as we've got that out right at the top, I think that's critical you, intel. Yeah, our listeners need to know that we are allies to women. <laughs> what if they came in like, what if they're not allies to women? I think that'd be kind of like an insidious, fun place to start. Oh, like, you know, that podcast, Analyze Fish? Like, it's like, yeah, oh, this is a podcast where you convince me to like fish, where this is a podcast where you, Caitlin, convince me, Jamie, to like and respect women. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, you know what? I'm not sold. <laughs> Well, they kind of seem like idiots. Well, the Some movie we're talking about today, on. I know we're we're recording in a different space with different. I think people. we should just address what's going on. Yeah, we are recording in our normal building, right? Our normal structure of Meltdown Comics, but we're in a uh, not normal space, right? Because a bunch of things have happened. We haven't recorded in a while. No, um, some things have happened since then. Where Meltdown Comics, the historic comic book store in Hollywood, California, ever heard power, of it? Rest in power. It's closing down. Which also means the comedy venue that I do the programming for is mm-hmm. also closing down. So, yeah, we're recording at a different podcast studio, which is adjacent to our normal space. But and Aristotle is not here today. He's not here today. Did you and Aristotle have fun last night at the movies? Uh, yes, we saw Pacific Rim 2. Oh, that's so nice. I liked it better than the first one. That's good. What, what was better about it? Definitely more women. Um, a okay. more streamlined story that was easier to follow, not a billion okay. characters who all looked the same, and therefore you don't know who's doing what. That's good. And John Boyega is a much more charismatic leading <sighs> man than Charlie Hunnam. I mean, John Boyega is very hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John Boyega, listen, let me just go off the rails. Very unpopular opinion, JK. John Boyega, very hot. Well, 
cool it. Full body paralysis every time John Vega <laughs> is visually in front of me in any resolution. Hey, Give folks, this me. is an example of a conversation that would not pass the Bechtel test. Interesting. Keeping because the we're podcast talking, on track. Mm-hmm, we're talking about a man in the Bechtel test, uh, which our podcast is inspired by. <laughs> I have a lot of, for the movie we're talking about today, I have a lot of asterisks to the Bechtel test. Well, you kind of have to. I to mean, even... in a movie where women are certainly not the focus, and if they are, they better be pregnant as hell. <laughs> I think that that is, yeah. So the Bechtel test mm-hmm. requires that uh, a movie has two female characters they have to have names. They mm-hmm. have to talk to each other. And with our version of the Bechdel test, they have to have a at least two-line exchange. So one woman says one thing, another one woman responds to her, and neither of those can be about a man. Shall we demo? Yes, let us demo. Okay. Jamie, what? what's your favorite flavor of soup? Hi, Caitlin. I think soup is hot water and is a big old racket, and I don't <laughs> believe in it. Jamie, I agree. Hot water with flavors in it? Yeah. What are you, vitamin water, but left in the sun? <laughs> Stupid. That passes the Bechdel test. It certainly did. It doesn't have to be good writing. We have to say over and over and over. It does not have to be good. So we'll figure out whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. Oh, God. We'll talk about its portrayal of women. Infuriating. But... Oh. Infuriating. To... This movie is infuriating to me on a number of levels. So many. But on this level specifically, because it just, this movie is the ultimate proof that the Bechdel test is flawed. Mm-hmm. is flawed yeah you can pass it and well, yet i'm prepared to argue a horrendous showing of <laughs> a lot of things sure and we'll get to that discussion later on but first let's introduce our guest oh, uh, he's wearing a great jacket it's so soft it's so tan can i just say it is a hand-me-down of a french man i'm wearing <laughs> a french man's hand-me-downs and that's the only way to live I mean, there couldn't be a better backstory for this very nice jacket. We're thrilled to have him. Yeah, the voice you just heard is that of the co-host of the Daily Zeitgeist. Oh, my God. On the How Stuff Works Network. Oh, my God. Miles Gray. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I uh, Thank you so much for having me. Thank I you, am really excited. Uh, when <laughs> you first asked me to do this, uh-huh. I wasn't sure what movie we would do. When you were like, what movies do you like? At, like, in jest, like, I love The Rock. Also knowing full well that this is a terrible movie, but <laughs> I'm so glad we picked it. Well, I'm glad uh, we did Because too. I rewatched it with a critical eye. Because I think I was telling Caitlin before, like every time I've watched it, it's just kind of been like on. And that was it like, is one of those and the movies. last time I saw it was maybe like eight years ago. So to watch yeah. it now with a critical eye in the year 2018. This is like a TNT, like you turn on TNT and this is on in the middle of it. I think by law, it had to be on at some point, at least twice in one weekend. Like on whether it's yeah. TNT or FX, it was always on. And it's one of those movies that's one of my favorites where you do, I've seen bits and pieces. This is the first time I've seen the movie all the way through. I will say 36 hours ago, I'm improving. Mm. But this is one of those movies that I've seen chunks of over the years. And it's always the TNT edit where it's like, that's not what Sean Connery said in the movie. But I'm not quite sure <laughs> right, what right, he right. actually said. Oh, so, I think I know what line you're talking about. I love a TNT edit. The, love it. My name's Buck, and I came here to party. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, Kill, Kill Bill 1. Yeah, this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other one from Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh. 
fuck a stranger in the ass trying oh, to meet a stranger oh, in the Alps. Like, what <laughs> was the original yeah. line? Yeah. How do you fuck a stranger? Meet a stranger in the Alps. That's, I mean, truly the ultimate creative challenge is to be the one who edits for TNT. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, but even though that you have like the freedom to just be like, honestly, I think meet a stranger in the Alps is the only thing that's going to work. And they're going to be like, all right, fuck it. Like, yeah. you know what? He's a pro. Yeah. He's a pro. He knows how to make words sound like other words without context. Right, right, right. So, the, whoever did Kill Bill 1 did a real bang up job and I love them. They're, I have not seen that part. That's that. It really is, I came here to party. My name is Buck and I came here to party. Feminist icon Buck <laughs> from Buck, Kill yeah, Bill uh, 1. With the pussy wagon. Lots of, lots of feminist icons in The Rock, which is a movie that for all you idiots out there like me, The Rock does not appear one time. I was waiting for a Rock <laughs> cameo. He does not come. Yeah, yeah, that was before. Dwayne so. Johnson, not in this movie. Dwayne Johnson absent, which already is like, do I like this movie? Hard to say. <laughs> I, so you had seen bits and pieces of this before. I mean, very bits and pieces. I knew that Nick Cage and Sean Connery were in a movie together and found that to be interesting. Right. (laughs) I didn't remember that it was a Michael Bay joint, Mm. and that that adds a lot. Peak Bay. (laughs) Peak. This is, well, this- Chesapeake Bay. Just, just- Stop that. I, Stop I have that to go. right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> My Listen, coat and I have to go. He can't. Jean-Paul's coat and I have to be Jean-Paul's coat and I must go. So, Miles, when did you first I'm see? I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> when did you I'm first sorry. see The Rock? Oh, I thought we were talking oh about Oh, my this, God. So. I'm sorry. I had to get high after watching the movie because I was so fucked <laughs> up. That I was like, I need to smoke weed after seeing this. So, you're catching me there. And I also ate half a piece on the way here. Um, but yeah. the first time I saw it was in the theater. In okay. 96. Yeah, yeah. So, Whoa. I'm like 12 years old. This was like in the period when there were blockbusters in the summer. This and you were like, movie. yo. Yeah. These are like the big tentpole movies come out and it didn't matter what the fuck it was. You just knew you had to see it because it was such a spectacle. And the movie, like its effect on me was like pretty profound at the time. I thought I wanted to be like a Navy SEAL because of the movie. Like it indoctrinated me very well. That is something I had a question about because I was I was too young to see this movie when it came out. I and also it like even if I was old enough, it wouldn't have been a line. Like I don't think that this is a movie in the '90s you would have taken a young girl to see. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you know it's weird. The people would just take their whole families. I remember like I went with like a really? group of people and like the little sister came. She was like six and just like hey, the big movie's out. Let's go to the <laughs> we theater. Gotta all see it. Yeah. By the time I was in like middle school, high school. There was such a reputation for all the boys who were like getting into the military and the idea of going into the military. It was always Navy SEALs and Marines. I'm like, these are the badass branches of the military. And I feel like it's movies like this that really push that agenda. And that's such a Michael Bay thing to push a very specific view of very specific branches of the military Mm -hmm. that like really took hold of young people's brains. Yeah, And it's weird to watch now and be like, oh, this is why all the boys I went to school with thought Marines were like the fucking coolest is because yeah. Ed Harris and his bald ass head were doing their best <laughs> in right, 96. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And the Navy SEALs too, like the technology they were using, it was just like this superhero yeah. type shit to me as a 12 year old kid was like very appealing. And sure. God, like I remember right after I like begged my parents to buy me like urban camo, like that gray and white, like mm-hmm. those fatigues that Ed Harris and those guys wear. Cause I was like, that's how I'm going to dress forever. 
because of this movie. Miles, I feel like you're right. touching on something very important, which is when young people see movies like this, they're like, oh, I want to be like that person. So if a young girl saw women being in the military, they'd be like, oh, I can be in the military yeah. too. And, yeah. But so little But I would argue that happen. this is such an inaccurate representation of the military oh, sure. that it's basically like kind of a I'm not saying about this movie specifically for women, but right. I'm right, saying right. there were movies that made like women in STEM seem cool or women in like computer science or like women in law seem right. really fucking Absolutely. cool we would see more women trying to do jobs like that yeah this, so. this is like a laser guided missile for testosterone like this this, this is, film which is kind of like an overarching theme in all of michael bay's work where even if you get into the transformers franchise and again i feel like i do this every other episode but i will direct people to friend of the cast Lindsay ellis's really great video essay series on the transformers mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. but there's very strong pro-military themes in the Transformers series too where like this is just like a big overarching theme of Michael Bay's work which is always kind of regarded as like well these movies are not good but everyone's going to see them so they are very relevant and from what I could tell and I I tried to backtrack and do some research on how this movie was reviewed at the time which was pretty well I mean it got three and a half stars from Ebert (laughs) what? It got like this what? movie was well reviewed, right? Which is crazy to watch it now and be like, oh, yeah, great. But, but this was like peak block. This is the same year that Mission Impossible comes out. This is like peak action dudes, yeah. military adjacent shit. Yeah. It's like this specific year is when mm-hmm. all the big ones come out. And this is the most successful of that year. But even now, just last year, the AV Club wrote this big piece on how The Rock, which is sort of, I feel like, a forgotten Michael Bay movie now. Really? I don't think no, so. No, no, I See, I had never heard of it. I thought it was a <laughs> vehicle for The Rock. It's like, the, it's like yeah, if Michael... The Rock stars yeah. in The Rock. But the movie is so... Well, it's a, well, I read a few different pieces saying, like, this is Michael Bay's technically, structurally, etc., best movie. Sure, yeah. Maybe not most memorable, but best in terms of putting a movie together with a story that makes sense is the closest he's gotten to making a cohesive narrative. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I'd never heard of it. Mm. See, I've heard of it for years. So my backstory with this is I only saw it for the first time almost exactly a year ago because I remember posting on Facebook saying that. Yep. Because for years I was always like, fuck Michael Bay. I hate him. He's a horrible director and he sucks. And everyone's like, well, have you seen The Rock? And I'm like, no. People would be like, that's the one. He's living off that like the rock the rock is right. actually a good movie so i like heard all this stuff who said, so I was like, who okay. said that so I, many people to were be like, like caitlin you will like the rock and <laughs> I, I was think like that, i genuinely think, think that that is a thing when we're looking at male directors versus female directors where male directors if you have one good one they're always like no he's actually good because have you seen this movie that came out right right 22 years ago right but if it's a female director if she makes one bad one it's like all her previous successes are completely no, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah that this seems to be the one that people direct you to of like well michael bay <laughs> was he, at one point semi-competent one good yeah sort of but i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't like cape for it like that and be like you know you would really like the rock <laughs> like to say that you'd be like you're kind of a i've had no less right. than 10 different people say that exact thing to me well really? yeah it kind of sucks but the rock's pretty good and i think I you'd guess, like it and then i watch it and i fucking hated it i think this movie the, is terrible unless it's like the caveat of like it's the most brainless peak 90s action film and no that's one offered the any caveats it, but I would I would be I would attach so many caveats I wouldn't just be like oh no <laughs> you know what is peak cinema yeah <laughs> once I found out this was a Michael Bay joint and also reading the behind the scenes stuff for this movie is wild in that like there's who's the guy Don what's his name 
producer. Don oh, yeah, Don yeah. Simpson. Okay, so Don Simpson, in the middle of production for this movie, he's like the big producer who works with Bruckheimer and works with Michael Bay on this movie, dies of a coke overdose <laughs> a few months. Not to laugh at someone's coke overdose, but this is peak 90s, yeah. like toxic male, like, we're going to make a movie about seals and then one dies of a coke overdose and then it, the like the twist at the end is it's dedicated to this guy yeah. who had a coke overdose there's also i'm getting way ahead of myself <laughs> but i do need to say now nick cage is the protagonist uh, technically one of two mm-hmm. in this movie i would say yeah, yeah, yeah i would say technically like the poster protagonist mm-hmm. where you know sean connery is like the villain but not really like there's no there's a lot of straight white male heroes but are they villains but they're so nuanced but if they weren't like white and straight probably they would just be villains but anyways nick cage at the end of this movie the last line he delivers is basically a prequel to national treasure yeah where he's like babe did you know who the real killer of jfk (laughs) is i was like are you reading the fucking back of the declaration of independence right now dude like what are you it was forget maui (laughs) <laughs> right before he goes there. The, the way, way yeah, he looks at that microfilm is so amazing, too. What about Nick Cage is like, we have to give him a Chekhov's gun style prop that reveals deep Also, there's a dog American in that scene that we haven't seen yet in the movie. There is in the a last, dog like, in that 30 scene. seconds of the movie. Do they not even have a dog at their house? No. No. <laughs> wow. Don't. The end is like, oh, I guess they got married, but like, and then pretended to be like broke because they're like, we're in this shitty VW Beetle, right? Kansas, 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 Fort Walton, Kansas. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I was not watching this movie. I just watched it, and I have a pictographic memory, so I was remembering the note. Do you really? Uh, Front pew, right leg. You know, that's where he's sitting. Wow, that's awesome. That's no, it's only for The Rock, though. <laughs> Ask me about any that's other. Your, that's oh, your curse. Your curse. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Oh, you can remember well, every I've, detail about The Rock. I've been going to a lot of therapy, and I'm beginning to see it as a strength. So. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I'm Sorry so for triggering I won't, you. No, that's fine. No, no, I'm not triggered. Um, oh, okay. You're actually activating okay. my coping skills. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to look at being triggered. <laughs> Should I do the recap? Yes, please. Okay, I'll do, I'll do this so freaking fast. So, The Rock mm-hmm. is about, so we, uh, as you said, rock. not The Rock, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but the protagonist is Nicolas Cage. His character's name is Stanley Goodspeed. Goodspeed! Stanley, Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> what yeah. a reveal! He is a, like, chemical expert, chemicals weapons yes, expert chemical for weapons. the... FBI. FBI. He gets called in to help with this hostage situation that takes place where Ed Harris's character, whose name is Frank Hummel, is a... Which is a weird choice. Hummel is a German porcelain statue. Was interested mm. in what the deal with the whole Hummel thing was, but I, I oh. couldn't, That's like couldn't a brand? crack it. Yeah, my grandma would like collect Hummels. They're like these weird German porcelain, very commercial statues mm. where it'd be like Christian parables and porcelain. And then... oh. But I'm, okay, I'm I know sorry. we interrupt. I know we interrupt the thing constantly. But the two writers credited on this movie, mm-hmm. who are not, thankfully, I think for their own reputations, not visually credited, and also because of Writers Guild rules. Oh, right. Sorkin and Tarantino contributed to the script for The Rock. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. So it's impossible to say where these names come from or what these specific things I find interesting come from. But there are a lot of good writers involved in this movie, but few of them are actually credited. Yeah, there was like a quote about how Sorkin like wrote quote most of the good dialogue or something like that. I, I mean, mean, of course he's going to say good that. Dialogue in this I mean, movie? look, if it's right. Don Simpson, 
you know, Sorkin loves Coke, too. So they're probably all just, like, flying off Coke. Like, <laughs> so it was uh, apparently Aaron Sorkin, Tarantino, and then the three credited screenwriters were David Weisberg, Douglas Cook, and Mark Rosner. So a bunch of freaking men wrote this movie. Cool. All right. So anyway. The story is Frank Hummel is like a Marine, like black ops. He was doing things commanded by the government that were technically illegal and then not compensated fairly or, you know, just various injustices were done to like him and his fellow Marines and their families and things like that. So a he... lot is done to humanize the villain in this, in this oh, yeah. movie, which mm-hmm. is, I think, a Michael Bay thing that is normally not thought about. Right. Right. He well, he literally sets his stakes up in the like, first thing by talking to his wife's grave. He scr- I would say he <laughs> screams at his wife. The wife's grave. I'm so sorry. His wife's grave says Barbara Hummel. His wife. His wife. <laughs> he literally just. I was like, ah. There. First of all, whose wife? No. And secondly, know, it's the first thing. It's the it's top the first line. Thing it's see. his first wife. Thing. Yeah, his wife Barbara. Hummel. I guess because they're already pre like designing the plot, so he'll be it's, there, and then it'll be so, and yeah, his she, wife. She is only defined on her gravestone His by wife. her relationship it's to a man. so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they'll finally listen to me. There, God, when this movie starts, it's like a Jerry Bruckheimer joint, a Michael Bay joint. You're like, okay, so there's going to be a lot of men with veneers in this movie. <laughs> great. <laughs> then you find out the movie's about Alcatraz. You're like, great. <laughs> and then you find out about poor fucking Barbara Hummel. His wife. Who, Ed Harris, who is, I will say, doing his very best in this whole movie. I love it. I mean, I have such a soft spot for character actors, and Ed Harris has been sidelined his entire life, yeah. and I, I, I love him. But he, I mean... There's only so much you can do. He screams at his wife's grave. He says, I miss you so much. <laughs> Everyone I'm screams throughout this sorry. entire movie. Michael Bay's directing style is more screaming, yeah. please. Yeah. Scream louder. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay. Hey, the rain's really loud. Imagine she can't hear you through the rain, Ed. You're screaming at her ghost, Ed. <laughs> yeah. You dumb bitch. Right? Like, you know, he's like just screaming profanity is <laughs> at everyone at all times. And so no one, no single actor could be held accountable for whatever a atrocities take place (laughs) in the movie. Okay, so Ed Harris's character, um, in response to the injustices that he feels has been directed at him, he takes a bunch of people, like tourists hostage in Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. So 81 tourists are taken hostage. It's the most diverse group of people we see in the entire movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where there's a lot of, there's young people, there's old people, there's black people, there's Hispanic people, there's all sorts of people. We never see them Never check in with them. No. Never. Don't need to. Except for the crying father, white hostage dad. Exactly. We see a series of racist caricatures. We see a crying white hostage. And then we basically forget but that they're there the to the very end. The most diverse scene just reinforces the crazy stereotypes. Because right. one cell is like the clueless elderly Asian people and like mm-hmm. the angry black dude who's like, man, this is a fucked up tour. And then they go to like, <laughs> yeah. sa- then it's like, okay, well, so we have angry black man. Now let's go to sassy black woman. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, like, who talks about gun. Yeah. She's like, I, exactly. You're like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> and then this film, like, you know, that's why I say it's like peak 90s of sort of like this completely... You know, this was normal, and it was almost like, 
like you could tell people almost had to write these like and then you know we're gonna have to have like a sassy black woman say something here you know what i mean and it was yeah. like yeah this movie has all of the great tropes in it oh and that like the character who is coded as gay the stylist who yes. comes in oh and my god like, the stylist Sean, we'll get we'll get to that yeah. but um <laughs> you can't you can't just bring in a stereotype for two minutes and then discard the character forever yeah. more concisely than this movie yeah. does right yeah <laughs> and truly emasculate the character yeah oh absolutely oh, yeah, totally. yeah. Uh, okay so ed harris is holding all these people hostage and has these missiles filled with this the most deadly chemical ever to be known by man and he's threatening to fire these missiles on the city of san francisco if the government does not comply with his demands which is that he and his group of probably like i don't know 15 or so marine black ops yeah. uh, people guys like who decided him, to join the cause right these like rogue marines they all want to be paid one million dollars each and you have 40 hours to do it mm-hmm. so everyone like the people at the white house the pentagon military people they all gather in this conference room almost entirely men they gather up a team basically of i think also marines i think oh navy seals this is okay, where they navy use, seals. those are the navy seals okay navy in, seals because yeah, they're the good guys <laughs> they're the good guys and then they get nick cage because of his chemical weapons expertise mm-hmm. and they're like but we don't know how to get in and save these hostages we need someone who has been to alcatraz because like the place is all there's like no blueprints and all this yeah, stuff that, like the old warden has died the security right. no guards one knows don't remember anything, anything. Right. <laughs> right so they're like well we have one last chance with this guy named John Mason, played by Sean Connery, who is the only person to have ever successfully escaped Alcatraz. So they find him, they bring him in, they like tunnel through Alcatraz, they get into the prison. Ed Harris is all like, get out of here. I'm doing my thing. <laughs> oh, and he's like, doing no. his best. <laughs> he's doing his best. But yeah. yeah. So most of the Navy SEALs get killed in a standoff. And the only people who are left of the good guys is Goodspeed and Mason. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they have to figure out a way to find all the missiles because there's 15 of them, I think. And uh, Nick Cage has to disassemble them or like make it so that, or, like destroy the tracking chips or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sounds sort can't. of vaguely like a video game directive like at yeah. some point this find movie... all 15 missiles and take guidance chip right <laughs> and then every time that they do that like a new challenge I'm like this at some point the plot of this movie does begin to feel like a bad video game yeah. right well did you notice uh, one of the last Navy SEALs to die is the actor Danny Nucci who is Fabrizio yes. you texted me about this so quick I missed it I, stra- I straight up slipped oh I oh, yeah. um, I was like that's Fabrizio from Titanic Danny Nucci is iconic Fabrizio. He's like a silver fox now. It's, oh, yeah. He oh. is very hot now. He's like, wow. The and he was hot then. Yeah. The anyway, nooch. I thought you'd appreciate that because I know Titanic is very near a and dear big, to I was mm. genuinely very upset with myself because I went back and I was like, oh, of course that's Fabrizio. But there are so many random B characters. I would say that there's three, maybe four in this movie that when they're, they're Navy SEALs and when they're killed, you hear the little like... <laughs> And you're like, wait, who's that character? They're like, burr, 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 burr. and they're bleeding out. You're just like, wait, but who is that? Have yeah. we heard them speak? It's like, no, it's senseless killing of Americans killing Americans. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, he was a hero. All those scenes, there's like three different scenes where three characters, I could not tell you who they were mm, if right. you had a gun to my head. There's a two-minute scene about how sad it is that they died. And you're just like, whom is that? (laughs) 
Well, speaking of guns, there's a ton of them in this movie, and uh, yes. a lot of them are being shot and fired into other people. So, uh, like, a bunch of people are dying. Um, Goodspeed and Mason manage to find most of the missiles, but yeah. there's, like, one left, and then the green uh, it's, like, one? almost... Yeah, well, I mean, they're all like that. They're all the they're all uh, the missiles, and I don't know. I listen. I don't know about missiles. Do I think that they actually look like Nickelodeon slime? I'd be surprised. <laughs> oh yeah, the like the I'd VX be fully gas. surprised. I think the art department had a good time with that. They're the like, 80s really went we wild on that. Look like they that. look like like those like anal like, beads. Sh- yeah, kind oh. of. They and do then, look like, like <laughs> anal beads. It's a string of anal beads. Like, <laughs> the huge like <laughs> colander of like anal major beads. League, yeah, they're major league anal beads. <laughs> These are, not, these are not for weekenders. Do you have? Yeah, this is for this is for an ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is for a real ass. Deadly. This is a lethal anal. So <laughs> basically, there's like one final standoff where most of the rest of the bad marine dudes die, but oh, Nick Cage has to like find <laughs> the one last missile. There's this whole fight, and then he saves the day. He disassembles it, whatever, and then. What's his name? Mason is like, oh, now I'm going to have to go back and be in jail again. And he's like, not if I tell them you died. Yeah. So he lets him escape. Like the homie does. Right. Help, right. You, help you fake your friend's death. I hope you guys have that kind of relationship. God. Of course, I mean, Jamie. What happened to yeah, Jamie? And you're looking is, at her and you're like, she, she died. vaporized. She's vaporized. <laughs> she, she told me where the <laughs> anal beads were and then she disappeared. <laughs> So, yeah, the good guys save the day. Um, the city of San Francisco is safe. None of the Wait, hostages. Wait, but did the good guys save the day? Because if you think about it, all Ed Harris was really advocating for was better veteran care. Right. Right. You know, right. His whole thing was like, I want $100 million, 83 of it for the men that I lost. And you discarded like trash. That was the thing. It was like, this is like a weird, uncanny valley situation, much like I would argue the original Ghostbusters, the enemy being the EPA. Right. Like, where you're just like, are they really the enemy? Right. Are they like why? Are, why are we supposed to hate them? Right. Where I mean, Ed Harris, where where his practice is perfect, they were they weren't bad. They and were he knew, bad. And, but he knew when he lost. That's why he was like, I bluffed. They called it, so the mission's over. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And he then knew. it's the other dudes who kind of take over. And, and then the greed takes over. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean. I don't. This this movie is very weird. And also, I mean, I think <laughs> we'll get into this, but like, there is a male friendship that co- coagulates. <laughs> Through the well course of this movie between Nick Cage and Sean Connery, right? But everything that they are bonding over is completely toxic. Oh, sure. Where I do I think it's good to see a movie where two men form a friendship? Yes. I don't think we see that enough. But do I want to see it based on like guns? Dislike when like you know it, they bond on every problematic weird thing there is possible to bond on according to Michael Bay, and then it's like oh but they're friends that's right. kind of nice and he should absolutely be in jail because like in the many scenes of destruction in this movie I would say we've got hundreds of casualties on our hands uh, yeah. that are never addressed in the city of San Francisco that's oh sure when yeah. they're plowing through oh, there's like a whole like trolley people. full of people oh, yeah. who are like flinging hey, but all the off. stuntmen rolled away. You know, it's not like you sign oh. to get caught under the wheels. <laughs> which is like, that's what the thing is because it reinforces like this 90s sort of like ignorance yeah. of like, it's like the most consequence free like film for, a, for like, where that's a film about people like taking hostages and potentially like right. killing an entire city of people. Like there's, and that's what the 90s was. You know what I mean? Like there was th- like cell phones weren't scary yet. 
You know what right. I mean? We had internet enough that it helped improve things, but like things hadn't quite turned to like peak scary. And I think mm. this movie like is such a reflection because like there's no thought given to anything. This is like right before we get into like the late nineties like hacker characters of like the internet's getting right. scary. Right. <laughs> I feel like this is like sort of maybe the last like year or so where that doesn't exist in right. the movie. But the three main characters we have in this movie and hopefully this works as an effective transition. Mm. Uh, the three main characters we have in this movie are all grounded in, or the plot attempts to ground each of them using a female character. So mm. with Ed right. Harris, we've got his dead Barbara. wife, script. Barbara, his wife. <laughs> I'm so sorry, and, Barbara. And his wife. <laughs> so his wife is dead. So he's mad and has nothing to lose. And that is the basis of what we have to characterize him with. Mm-hmm. Then we see Nick Cage. And we see, first of all, an actress whom I love because she played Brenda on General Hospital. My mom watched General Hospital every night growing up. And we used to recite the names of the characters. <laughs> during the intro and it would end with Brenda and Max so I knew exactly I was like it's Brenda but so this was supposed to be Brenda's you know breakout role it didn't work out because it's a bad role she's forced to be on top of Nicholas Cage she's fucking Nicholas Cage she has pigtails and a feather boa on <laughs> and it's like there's no hope for this woman no. there's no there's no career upwardness going on here <laughs> But uh, but she is the female character who I would say is the strongest of the movie. Uh, I mean, she gets the most screen time, which is maybe a combined total of two minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. And right. most of it is her crying. Yeah, like, a lot being, of it's her yeah. crying or being like sassy. Where the the most I'll argue for this movie is that she seems smarter than the amount of screen time and credit she's given. She doesn't seem like a stupid person she's costumed like a stupid person (laughs) but it's like you know there's no depiction of women having jobs in this movie at all but her depiction is that she is Nicolas Cage's girlfriend and to add and to raise the stakes not to necessarily have a female character but to raise the stakes we have his girlfriend be pregnant Mm -hmm. so whenever Nicolas Cage needs a reason to not be dead he's like I got a baby on the way And then can't fuck this up. Can't fuck this up. Brenda's pregnant, right? <laughs> and then uh, Carla. Carla, Carla is her character's name. But Brenda, for all <laughs> yeah. my general hospital heads out there, and Brenda, and Brenda, we'll call her Brenda and Max. Uh, <laughs> and then Sean Connery has a daughter, right? Jade, mm-hmm. I, I think. So. And so there are three female characters anchoring our three male characters, and it's just peak example of like we're only introducing women into this narrative to increase the depth of our male protagonist. Right. And that's wh- the only reason. One of those there. three characters is dead and we never see them on screen. One Barbara. of them we only see his <laughs> wife. His wife. His wife. <laughs> his wife. <laughs> one of them we only see on screen for one scene which takes about two minutes. Of A scene time. that passes the Bechdel test. It doesn't though. It, we'll, does. it does. Stacy and Jade. Yeah. I, we know their names, but they're talking I mean hey, we'll, are you okay? okay? Well okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. 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 Boom. I'll, I'll make a case. <laughs> Bring the alarm. Yeah. And then Carla is in a number of scenes, but the thing with Carla is that she's poised as like this, like you said, like kind of sassy, but also like naggy, a nuisance, like a a distraction. Because there's one scene where Nick Cage is like, my girlfriend's coming. She's flying into San Francisco and and she's pregnant. And 
And he's like, you need to focus on the matter at hand. So like she's poised as a distraction. She just basically is there to cause complications for and, and Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Right. They're like, oh, your your girlfriend is pregnant? Oh, oh no. And then... She's pregnant. <laughs> she's, she's, I love that video yeah. so much. Pregnant. Pregnant. Oh, my <laughs> so she's pregnant. No, and it's funny too. The way, way it's revealed too, she's like, how's your day? He's like, the world's so fucked up. I'm going to sick people. People would have kids anyway. This place is such oh, wait, a no. Shit okay, can we talk about and that scene? Like, because yes. pr- okay, yeah. I have a lot to say about that scene too. That scene is wild. First time we're seeing a woman in the movie who is not Barbara's grave. <laughs> Nick no, Cage. there is one woman in the lab. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, there is a woman in STEM. Who is, I missed. Who's yes. hurried out? Yeah, you, you see the back of her head running yeah. away. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Get out, Linda. Men gotta do this bomb thing. So this is the whole first top ten minutes at her screams at a grave (laughs) (laughs) Nick Cage full hazmat suit someone melts and then we cut to the first speaking female role in the scene Nick Cage before she comes in Nick Cage is shirtless playing the acoustic and pantless he's almost naked playing the acoustic guitar like man rough day at the office someone melted (laughs) Well, the best is the, what he's playing is so horrible. He's it's like bending so the notes like, ding, 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 and he's like, just winding down. And this is like a, a a magic hour for Nick Cage, where he does not yet know that he is going to be considered a bad actor by history. I would argue maybe he's not the worst actor. Well, to be fair, he found out he was nominated for Academy Award on this set. Yeah, and he won yeah. a fucking Academy and he Award. Fucking this for is what movie? Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, Whoa. this is the the he's film he did directly that. after Leaving Las he's Vegas. Gone. And this movie helped him get like face off and all these. Yeah. Like this movie made him an action it, star. It made him that other. It's so funny because yeah, he could have gone like that Leaving Las Vegas path possibly, <laughs> he or he was not. probably always meant to be like crazy hair plug dude this but. movie <laughs> sets up national treasure in a crazy way yeah but but then so okay so then brenda comes in Carla. <laughs> and she says you know like how was your day no whatever. she says i had an interesting oh, day yes yes and then he so ignoring I. her oh no uh, interrupting her not giving a fuck about what she has to say yeah. says i had an interesting day too and <laughs> she's like okay yeah. you go first i guess and he's like she says, well you go, go first blah, blah. yeah <laughs> So someone he, melted. <laughs> rather than like taking, <laughs> rather than like taking the time to like see what her interesting day was or let her speak, he's just like, my thing's more important. Right. And this is all uh, to set up, and and we don't find out from what I can tell. We don't find out. I have to assume Carla, Brenda. <laughs> we have to assume Brenda has a job, right? But we don't find out what it is. I was listening so carefully for even a hint of what she might do for work. But he's like, someone melted in in FBI. And she is like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, I'm pregnant. Okay, I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm well, pregnant. The, yeah, the best is when she's like, well, what about what you just said? He's like, you just, he's like, he's like, what? It was like about oh, the world not needing you or baby. He's like, that was seven minutes ago. Or she's like, that was seven. Yeah. Has happened. A lot has happened. Seven oh, shit. Oh, yeah. gosh. A lot's Do we know, does he say her name in that scene? I don't think, I don't I'm think pretty he does. Sure it takes a while to I hear Carla. F- the only time, I feel like it's not until 90 minutes into the film, I heard <gasps> the words Carla. Yeah. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Okay, because I thought I had while, maybe missed it. I thought I did too. And I was okay. like, did I just hear her name for the first time now? I think you only hear it once. Yeah, yeah. And it's like halfway okay. through the morning. Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah, because this movie is two and a half hours long. It's yeah. so long. 
Carla Such was the prom queen. So yeah, two oh yes, two hours and sixteen minutes long. And I, I would say of the times you see women speaking on screen, it's probably only a minute and thirty seconds. Yeah. Of the Does whole someone have movie. a super cut of that? Because I'm pretty sure it would fit into an Instagram video. Totally. It, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So this is a result of there being almost no female characters in the movie, and almost every single scene populated by tons of men so for yeah. example the lab where nick cage is deactivating the bomb that comes in that they think like sarin gas might be in um you see like we said the back of a woman's head running away every other person in that scene is a man then you see a scene where ed harris his character is naming the terms of like what he wants mm-hmm. they're in like a conference room there's two women at the table only one of them has a one single line Granted, she is talking about a man being dead and other men being useless. So that's like, if a woman has to say anything, it might as well be that men are dead or useless. And, and they're like, shut up, Maggie. <laughs> and getting back to Brenda, I do think that, like, the one thing I was impressed about in that scene we just talked about with the shirtless, pantless, Nicholas cage, like, <laughs> everyone melted. <laughs> and then she's like, I mean, uh, <laughs> she, she is the one who proposes. Oh, yes. Which I thought was kind of cool. I did make note of that because I do like to see representation on screen. That's a bit of a proposing. Yeah, it's a subversion of the trope. Not only that we see in movies, but we see in real life as well. I don't know how inspiring it is to aspire to be Mrs. Goodspeed. (laughs) But I did think it was cool that she proposed. And then also he was not like, ugh. Because I feel like sometimes when you see a woman propose on screen, the male feels emasculated by it. He didn't seem emasculated by it. He just seemed like, well, someone just melted and I'm a little bit overwhelmed. And then he later does agree to that same proposal. But he does agree to that proposal when she is in pigtails, wearing a feather boa, and surrounded (laughs) by what appears to be 500 candles and Chinese lanterns. It almost looks like... An inordinate amount. A crazy who set that up, and it reminds me of the Phantom of the Opera's lair. (laughs) It's what it looks like. Like, the only difference is they're not steeped two feet deep in stagnant bog water. Mm. That's the only difference. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. She does propose. She does propose, yes, and I I enjoy that. But again, as we say about so many movies that maybe try to subvert a trope for like a split second— I feel like movies like that don't get to do that and then also hardly portray women or portray them poorly. Like And only like on the condition that this subversion appears in pigtails and a feather boa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not the best. Right. But so back to the, uh, the scenes that uh, are populated by entirely men or almost entirely men. Um, all of them, right? It pretty much. Yeah. Because yeah, all of the men. <laughs> Alcatraz. The tourist the... moments, I think, are the only time on Alcatraz right. you'll see a woman say something. Yeah. But there are so many opportunities. I mean, like any of the people that Ed Harris has with him in his like rogue troop of people, all men, all the Navy SEALs are men, all of the government officials who are sort of in the command center mm-hmm. giving orders and stuff like that, they're all men it's just like and okay granted you could say this is this is 1996 there weren't that many women in the military back then there weren't, there weren't that, that many women around back in 1996 not 51 of the population <laughs> i don't think my mom was even born then no no yeah. no women are kind of a new thing yeah it was pretty chill it was pretty chill it was pretty chill it was a pretty chill time <laughs> really chill time we just had our dicks out on the table all the fucking time but like 
my point is basically that movies about military have so little representation of women and the movies about people in politics. Again, there's almost never women in those roles. Yeah. A recent exception is like Annihilation. I think Natalie Portman's character is definitely military. And I can't remember if all the rest of them were as well. All the rest of the scientists who go in. I haven't seen it yet. They might all be military. Is she Japanese in that film? Wasn't there like some whitewashing thing with that? Was it oh, from the from the adaptation, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. I don't know. I love Natalie Portman. I love her. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> anyway, even so, movies about like the military very rarely have and don't. You can be like, mm, what about GI Jane? Okay, cool. One example. Right. Right. But um, name another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, duh, duh. Um, uh, uh, oh, so, Renaissance Man with Danny DeVito. <laughs> I think that movies about the military in particular and movies like this, this is such a specific moment in time where 96, we're at the top of the Clinton administration of like, you know, these movies come out when the country the movie's putting the movie out in is doing well. Fucking flying. Right. Like this movie does not come out during a recession. This movie would not be made right now. And if it was, it wouldn't be made successfully. Mm. You know, it's like this is the kind of movie that comes out when people are feeling nationalistic vibes and willing to accept the kind of stuff this movie is portraying. Like, this movie would not work right now. Right. And so, like, the context for, like, this sort of movie doing well and why there were a million movies very similar to it that were doing well with similar protagonists and characters and sidelining anyone who wasn't, you know, Nick Cage, Tom Cruise, whatever this action movie. Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, exactly. And Mm -hmm. and all three of them have huge movies that come out in 96. This is like a very specific weird moment in time where like America's kind of like, you know, it's it's a very like a miracle kind of vibe mm. oh, at yeah. this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, like I said, there was no need to think about anything that deep because everything right. was so everyone's needs were met. I mean, for the most part, like in the country. And again, we were we were living the in the best of times because still I mean, like yeah, I, I think that pre 9-11-90s basically. Straight yeah. white men's needs were met. No, no, but I mean like I meant like just more from like an economic oh, sure. sort of okay. standpoint of sort of like how right. the, the sort of sentiment in the country was. Yeah, for sure. And this movie makes back its budget almost five times. Ooh. Like this movie does incredibly well. And <laughs> the only previous Michael Bay like thing was Bad Boys, which was kind of a fluke because it was an indie movie that ended up doing really well. And so this is the movie that like puts Michael Bay they on the black map. What I'm, the hell? What? It's, it's a flu. How'd that happen? Yeah. Put three white guys in a movie, Michael Bay. See what happens. <laughs> it, it goes very well. Yeah, right, <laughs> it goes right. very well. Well, uh, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, you could argue at the time, oh, it's 1996, not as many women in the military yet, not as many women in government positions yet. But if you put women in those roles in movies, even if it's not necessarily super reflective of how it's working in society, mm. People are going to see it and they're going to say, oh, there's a woman in a government, like a, a general position right. in the military. Oh, there's a woman working at the Pentagon. Oh, I could do that, too. And basically, it's just upsetting that there were opportunities for several of these characters to be women in this movie. None of those opportunities were capitalized on. And then you have a whole... Just like the whole have, whole generation of young people seeing only men being in roles like this. Right. No opportunities for young girls to see themselves represented on screen. And then they're like, well, I can't be in the military because... See, I have complicated feelings about not being represented in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. I, hindsight, am glad 
that like and not to say I'm I'm glad that women are not represented in military roles in movies. I'm glad that women are not represented in military roles in this movie mm. because this is such a toxic so many steps removed of what the actual stakes of a military job actually is. Like this is such a false depiction of that whole lifestyle where I feel like young boys like you, Miles, yeah. when you're seeing this, like you get such a fake idea of what the military is and it's all action and it's all valor and it's all this stuff that a lot of military movies push on you that ends up kind of militarizing youth and also giving them a total false idea of what being a hero is. And that frustrates me on the behalf of young boys seeing this movie. Yeah, they're I being agree. sold an idea that is false well, and, yeah, and will put them in danger one day. And so I'm grateful that, like, you know, you don't see women putting themselves because I would feel the same way if I, if I saw a woman putting herself in danger in a very false way. And so it's a tricky. I just think Michael Bay should just be in prison and not be allowed <laughs> to make movies because right. there's no there's with military movies in particular. That's such a tricky genre because it's so rarely depicted accurately because it's you know, it's hard to make a movie about the military that doesn't want to glorify. Well, yeah, because they all function as recruiting tools though right I mean, exactly that's, and that's yeah. probably i'm sure like with this like with most films like whenever you have like scenes depicting any kind of military hardware like that's with the blessing of the military saying right. we'll loan you this shit for your movie but also like we're gonna we'll have, we have script notes too. you can't make it look bad yeah, you can't exactly. make it look mm -hmm. uncool no you that's know? a that's yeah. a trade off a lot of people don't realize like if you see tanks and like real shit in films that's because the military is like signed off they've on signed it. off on it and like that's what Top Gun was too. That's like that was <laughs> their Air Force screen tool. Like, is they were like, you want these jets? Well, let's make sure this is as favorable a depiction of the military as possible, or like the most, yeah, like the best version of like, dude, I want to be fucking Goose and Iceman. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. But military movies, like on a base level, they it's it's hard because it's like you know they have to exist. They are such like the military is a big part of the culture, but it it's it's you can't really unless you have access to stuff that would be very difficult to access you can't make an accurate depiction of it and so every time i see like a young person seeing a military movie it just like makes me feel very yeah conflicted yeah. And I, frustrated. I see what you mean yeah right right because they're being sold a false narrative and i hate seeing young men being sold a false narrative i don't want young women to be sold the same right. yeah. false narrative so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a 10-year-old girl seeing a woman in a movie like being like, I'm great at military stuff and then being like, I should do the same thing. Right. But it's a fake thing. It's right. Because I think exactly. we need to demilitarize yeah. our country. There's too much. I mean, the military budget is like $8 billion dollars right and the education no. budget is like, here, have $2 for textbooks. Meanwhile, they're like, here, have $80 bajillion dollars for the yeah. military. And right. it's just like, hey, let's maybe reprioritize. So this, I mean, this is a large cultural question. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like I feel like it's a very easy answer to be like, we see so many men shooting guns on screen. Shouldn't we see women shooting guns on screen? And I'm like, I think we should see less men shooting right. guns on screen. And that, yeah. you know, like, do I think it should be equalized? And should we see female action heroes? Absolutely. Should we see the same amount of female, like, violent female action heroes as men? No, because there shouldn't be that many. And mm -hmm. so it's like there's so many. I just don't, I just hate yeah. seeing children being like, made to be like, you know what would be like very you go girl cool if you were also extremely violent? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like just, if you broke this dude's neck with a fucking a fire extinguisher. Right, like, which what? is cathartic and cool yeah. for, mm -hmm. a, for any gender on the spectrum. But do you want to show that to any gender on the spectrum when they're kids? I don't know. Probably not, no. no. Okay. Our heroes <laughs> should just be honest people. You know what I mean?
Every movie <sighs> should be very boring, is what I'm saying. <laughs> we should all have indie sleeper Very boring. Hits. Honestly, Michael Bay, you could have just made this a PSA about veteran care and <laughs> saved everyone the headache. Yeah. The villain I mean? is the one who's pro-veteran care. Yeah. He's basically saying, well, y'all are mistreating the veterans. And they're like, well, brr, And you brr, guys brr. aren't listening to me to the point that I will fake kill Americans to get my point across because the government isn't listening to your needs. Wow. Right. I mean, in a way, Ed Harris. Wow. God bless you. Ed Harris, I Patriot. think, really does Have like... you guys done Milk Money? Hmm? Milk Money with Ed Harris? No. Film, what is where that? Where he's like the nature guy and like uh-huh. and like his him and his son and his friends go to like this city to pay a prostitute because they want to see a woman <gasps> naked worker. for the first time. I'm sorry, sex worker. Really? For the first time. Because they're like fourteen, and they're like, "We've never, we've not met till we've seen a naked woman." And then they go. Then he wants her to be his mom, and like tries to hook him up with Ed Harris. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it's crazy because I think these films came out within a year of each other, and so on one side you have crazy veteran Ed Harris, and then like nerd, like single dad Ed Harris. That's why character actors are so interesting to me. Is like in the space of a year, they will sometimes do like, okay, this is how they paid their rent, and this is how they spent the rest of their time. Right. <laughs> like no one has done a career retrospective on Ed Harris. I bet it's fucking fascinating. Well, I think the amount of different shit. Was it done. a few years before this that he was the first? movie I ever saw him in was Apollo 13, which is a movie I watched yes. probably like 30 times as a kid. I don't know why wow. it was on so much. I used to confuse <laughs> Apollo 13 and the movie that happens because of The Rock, which is Armageddon. Oh. That's the Same next president. Apollo 13 is a mm-hmm. much Same president. better movie. Same president. Same universe. Same. Well, then they'll say that it was John Mason, James Bond, too. There's like oh. that theory, too. Really? Yeah, there's like a... I, like, That's terrible. As I was looking up weird shit about the movie, there's like, what about this James Bond? theory i'm like no i don't need that to be James. well let's get back to those characters because <laughs> at some point once it's established that nick cage and sean connery are going to be friends it gets very silly where they're basically quipping at each other for like 45 consecutive minutes through various obstacles well, there's a, there's one line where nick cage says something and then sean connery replies with oh my days aren't that exciting now because i just read a lot of philosophy and avoid getting gang raped in the washrooms and then and he says, it's not as much of a problem these days. I think I've lost my sex appeal. And it's like, oh, <laughs> wow. you mm-hmm. don't Interesting know precedent about rape what? to say. Oh, God. <laughs> like, we don't even need to talk about everything that's wrong I'm, with what? Yeah. No, there's not <laughs> enough time to unpack <laughs> no. it. But like, there's, oh, okay. So I hate this movie so much. It's horribly directed. I hate Michael Bay. He sucks so much. Nick Cage overacts every single scene he's in. Every okay. line read of every line is terrible. Like, there's just a, but. I, I stand for Nick Cage. I hate him. He <laughs> sucks. <laughs> but he's amazing. there's a few He's amazing. He's Not great. in a good way, but he's, he's amazing. amazing. He's an amazing in person. Yeah. Raising Arizona, and I like him in Moonstruck, and I don't mind him in Adaptation, and every other movie he's in, I fucking He needs think to he's be terrible. used exactly right. I feel like Nick Cage can be directed very well. Ugh. Well, Director. there are some yeah. lines that yeah. he says in this movie that I just want to point out, and then a few other lines from other characters. Dan Santa. Uh, one of the f- dance. <gasps> Nick Cage starring as Dan Santa and Santa University no. coming no. to theaters again. No. 2018. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting him to do the read next. <laughs> week. That's our, our life goal. I would never. Go on. Yeah. We, so we a, few, a few never. of my favorite lines. Uh, Nick Cage says something like, and I'm going to try to get this line read right, where Please he's just it. like. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> His <laughs> volume control is all over the place. A hole. A hole. And then like, he's like, Look. How in the name of Zeus is butthole? <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you escape your cell? It's just, oh God, there's Because that nerds line. don't curse. He there's... hits buttholes so yeah. hard. And then Sean Connery says, he makes a really funny joke that we all just laugh and laugh at, where he says, you're, you're between the rock and a hard case. <laughs> he says, when does he say that? I don't know, at some wow. point, but I think they thought it was the funniest joke my, in the world. I think and... my, I, was, I was suffering so much, my brain just <laughs> forgot about that one. I for sure missed some stuff in this movie, so annoyed. Was it just like, oh, geez, I have to tune out for a minute. My favorite joke that is not a joke that needs to be fully explained top to bottom in this movie is the Rocket Man joke. Oh, oh. Towards the end. I don't listen to that soft-ass shit. Oh, my God. So so Nicolas Cage and another Navy SEAL who he's about to kill. (laughs) Nicolas Cage says, hey, ever heard of Rocket Man? And then the guy says, I don't listen to that soft-ass shit. And then Nicolas Cage proceeds to explain the joke he was making. Well, I ask because it's about to be you. I only bring it up because it's you. Pause. You're the rocket man. And then shoots him with a rocket. He's like impaled by a fence post or something. There's so many like quips in this movie where you're just like, could have used a second draft. Yeah. Could have paid Aaron Sorkin a day rate. No, that was Aaron Sorkin's. He's like, that stays. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted that. Oh, there's a fun line. I think, I don't remember exactly who says this. It might be Sean Connery, but he says something like, "Uh, losers or blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. I don't know if you know this, but women are not actually people. We are rewards. Women are rewards that men get to go home and have sex with. And have sex with. Because they're waiting in a bed, (laughs) prone, uh, for a man to enter. 500 candles, pigtails, feather boa. (laughs) I'm pregnant. (laughs) I'm pregnant, and I'm laying on a bed. Out with my arms out, just paused. My life is on pause. Here, until the I'm man pregnant, comes in. but not visually pregnant. That'd no, be gross. That'd be gross in it. <laughs> you put your pregnant in me. I'm oh my pregnancy. Oh my pregnancy. I can't. Uh, one th- last thing I gotta say is that we do it's a high risk pregnancy. <laughs> We don't see any cats in this movie. We don't we but see a, a cat dog is, for some reason. A cat is mentioned because Nicolas Cage says that he killed his cat with his chemistry set when he was a kid. Yes, he does. So now's a good time to mention that cats do have eight nipples. This is Cat Facts with Caitlin. Okay. They have eight nipples? Yeah. Male cats too? Yes. Wow. Do they do you, just receive? Do you, as a man, have the same number of nipples as, as a cat? Well, because I had like <laughs> a, a I fe- like I had a male dog that I felt like I couldn't find all its nipples, and I wow. was like, "Oh, where'd these things go?" Were you searching actively? Yeah, as a oh, kid, good, I was good. curious because I was like, "Oh, I was like, this cat has nipples." Searching for the nips, and I'm like, "In this boy dog, only has like three. I don't know. Well, or they, they dragged no. on the ground. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> they wore down. You know when you're just nippy, you start <laughs> just, to just drag. When you're just nip sliding on the pavement. You're, oh, okay. you're, you're slipping on your own nibs. <laughs> Trip, Sorry I brought it tripping up. Tripping on the Sorry nips. Sorry I tripped on my nips. Dude, <laughs> nip tripping over here. I'm like, I tripped oh. on my own nips. <laughs> Can we, I do want to talk uh, a little bit more about the stylist character. Who, uh, yes. uh, okay, oh, so I, yes. I asked. Do we have time for a CKL protein pack? It's <laughs> his line. Oh, wait. There was one character who I would argue is a queer icon who I was shocked only appeared in one scene. Ranger Bob, I think it was, who mm-hmm. shows around Alcatraz and he's like, This is Alcatraz. Okay. And I was like, 
queer icon. He's amazing. He says something like, welcome to Broadway. Right? He yeah, literally yeah. drops Broadway. I was like, this is such a Michael Bay weird view of queerness. But for, for the Ranger Bob character, it really works for me. Yeah. He's wearing khakis. They're tight. Wool socks. Wool socks. Very confident. He's like, welcome to Alcatraz. It's basically Broadway. And I was like, what a queer icon. I love him. You never see him again. No. Nope. No. Like many great potential B characters, he disappears. Only after one is, scene. What's the matter, fellas? Something wrong with the tour? And then yeah, bye. I mean, comma fellas, comma queer icon. Yeah, fellas, amazing. <laughs> Loved it. Hey, fella. <laughs> so <laughs> confusing queer icons with just old timey people. James Cagney character. So, uh, brag. I have a few gay male friends. <laughs> I know. Wow. Shut oh, up. I know. I have friends. You guys stop. Uh, <clears throat> and I asked them how they felt about representation of characters like this stylist who are coded as being gay, but not necessarily explicitly right. stated. Right. So uh, one of, one of my friends said that um, if a movie character is gay, they want to know because the character explicitly states it, not because the movie is relying on like harmful stereotypes right. to communicate that information. Uh, another one of my friends said that they're okay with like effeminate gay men being portrayed on screen because that is how some gay men mm-hmm. present, present, but yeah. they would want that content to be made by like a gay creator, like a director right. and stuff like that. Because when it's someone like Michael Bay, who is notorious for treating all of his characters like archetypes and stereotypes. It's antagonistic. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would direct people to a documentary that I saw a couple of years ago and really enjoyed called The The Gay Word for a further exploration of how gay characters are depicted by like especially straight uh, often male filmmakers and also gets really deep into the gay villains trope Mm -hmm. that is popular for decades and decades of just like how coded gay characters appear on screen and depending on who the filmmaker is how that affects how harmful it is yeah yeah what's it called the gay word okay great check it out i sure will yeah there's a line that Ed Harris says at some point in the movie that goes like this. Barbara. <laughs> Barbara, I'm sorry. His, his wife. Um, <laughs> menacing. <laughs> his wife. It's the first thing they've ever fucking named. Before the year she was born. Dude, it's his wife. His wife. His wife. His fucking wife is what it should have said. And might literally, as well say. But, but again, it's like if we're talking about the coding of a movie. His wife is saying he's got nothing to lose. Right. Right. That's yeah. it. That's why it says his wife before it says like <laughs> 1957. Right, you right. know, it's just ugh. drives me crazy. Okay. Ed Harris says, man, your posts, men, which is, I think, <laughs> the thesis statement of this movie. It's just like using man as a verb right. <laughs> to do your job and then just be like, man, men, man, your posts, men. As long as you're manning things, make sure you're man when you're doing it. Man, Thank that you. man cannon, man. All his right, wife. Man. All right, his wife. His wife. His wife. His wife. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, that was the only place it could end. It's aggressive. Just watch it. I'm pretty sure I'm not hallucinating, but I felt like it was the text was so big. It was like the size of the tombstone. It was like his wife, Barbara Hummel. His His wife. wife. His wife. (laughs) His wife, Barbara. Does anyone have any? She's the she's the predicate to a sentence. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Name the subject. (laughs) Does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? Shame on anyone who would try to tell you it's a good movie. It's not a good movie. No. If, if anything, they're conflating their nostalgia for for a time when they were younger and couldn't have any like an adult thought about or like critical thinking about the films they saw. Yeah. 
Like the only when I think really about the feelings I have about it, it's purely the nostalgia of it, rather than like, man, when I fucking need to get inspired, I watch The Rock. <laughs> I'm like, no, the last time I watched is like, I'm so hungover that The Rock is on in the background. And even then, and I'm it's not like, going to turn it off. Yeah, and like, and it's only because the remote is like on the floor across the room, and I cannot get up. I wanted to say something really quickly. We didn't really talk about the Jade character. I would say this is again just a big, not surprisingly, missed opportunity by Michael Bay, where we're presented with a female character who does not seem stupid. She, we see her at her college. You know, she's meeting up with her convict father and brings a friend. Mm-hmm. This tracks for me. It's like, if you're going to meet your father who's a convict, don't show up alone. She cops to this openly. She questions what he's telling her, which makes sense if your father is a convict. Mm-hmm. But she still ultimately, in the space of the one scene she really appears in, is characterized as property to the the male character to the point where Sean Connery says to her, like, you're the only proof that I exist. R- which, right. which totally just, I'm like, well, that's all she is to the plot. And so it's it's a bummer to see people, like characters like her and like Brenda, not Brenda, Brenda, actually Carla. Carla. <laughs> but it's like you see these, these women who appear to have some potential as a character just ultimately be discarded. Right. And like seeing the Jade character, I was like, because I didn't really know what this movie was about. I certainly didn't remember her. I was like, oh man, I hope she comes back. Right. And she never Never, does. Mm -hmm. Never does. Yeah, well, like their mere existence or like it's sort of heightened by or it's exactly connected to their ability to procreate as men. Exactly. You're you're a a verification that my dick works for Jade (laughs) and Mm -hmm. because you're you're pregnant. Gregnant. Now now I'm going to be a hero due to your ability for pregnancy. I have to live because you agree <laughs> the conversation about um, Jade leads us to whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. Right. It sure does. It doesn't. Here's why. Okay. Uh, so there's only there's only one opportunity where this could potentially happen, and it's where Jade and her friend Stacy, both the characters are named, go to meet uh, John, John Mason. Yeah. And Jade says to her friend Stacy, it's okay. And Stacy says, I'll be over there if you need me. No men are explicitly stated or mentioned in that two-line exchange. But they're talking about whether or not Jade feels safe meeting her convict father. I am beyond willing to say this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the only scene where I, I feel like it even comes into question. Right. No other women interact To at the all. point no. where, and this is, is how badly this podcast and this test has jaded me. So I'm like, why did he even bother to give Stacy a name if she was right. never going to come back? It's right. weird well, that they went was, out of their way. It's, it was to make the point that Sean Connery couldn't even recognize his own daughter. Right. Oh, okay. That yeah. does track. Yeah. Wasn't that because he's in like well, Jade he didn't know and she's like, like, no, I'm Stacy. You fucking weirdo. Right. Okay. So yeah, this movie doesn't pass. Yeah. So she's merely there to underline how shitty of a dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's purely be like, well, how is he gonna? Oh, he'll think this other woman is his daughter. What's her name? Oh, Stacy. Yeah. So, uh, movie does not pass the Bechdel test, and I, I like was really, I almost had a panic attack, and I was like, did that just pass? Right. I was like, wait a minute. The context of their conversation is specifically about John Mason, so it does not pass. I'm very glad you said that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my god, (gasps) because in my mind, I was like, nah. There's no way. And I was like, holy shit. Which is why I think sometimes when women are talking in a movie, they can mention a man and the movie still passes and they can not explicitly mention a 
a man in the movie does not. I think it's more about context than it is about right. whether or not a man's name happens to be mentioned. Right. So yeah. we've had, we've come up on this a lot, but yeah, because the subtext is is this man making you feel unsafe? Yeah, exactly. Which if he's Sean Connery, uh, probably not. <laughs> my dad, who met my mom at after a Led Zeppelin concert. <laughs> God, yeah, way to. Uh, I mean, and I appreciated how realistic Jade was about like. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't, I'm curious, but also, like, I don't trust you. Yeah. Just again, the seeds of a female character that it would be interesting to see a second time. Yeah. We do not see. No, we don't. Bad movie. I hate it. So three so, and a so half much. stars, Roger Ebert. Yes. Bad. Movie. Well, speaking of rating, let's rate on our nipple scale. Uh, I'm going to give this movie zero nipples. I think it's a bad movie on top of it portraying women horribly. And uh, Jamie brought up some great points about, well, do we really want to see that much representation of like women in the military and women in government positions when it's a movie like this where it's just perpetuating and glorifying violence and stuff like that where like no I don't I would rather women be left out of those movies really I would rather movies like this not be made at all because they're not good and Michael Bay sucks and he should be not working in Hollywood Um, wow so I mean the fact that there are almost no women in the entire movie that all the female characters that do exist are there just to basically support or provide the motivation of the male characters they're just flat we hardly see them on screen they hardly have any lines and it's just not great representation Miles Wade I would give it zero also okay. uh, because it's like if toxic masculinity was like a missile from the movie like the rock is like the VX like the rock <laughs> as a film is the the green anal beads that destroy everything. Like, it is it's the kind of shit... They're even connected. <laughs> right. It's like the kind of shit, though, that, like, you know, looking back, you're like, man, like, this is what we were, like, inoculating and socializing, like, young yeah. men with. And, like, was just, like, this idea of, like, yeah, dude, the, the bros will get it, go in there and just do their shit and do get it, it done. Yo, chill the fuck out. You're pregnant. Hang back. <laughs> I'm gonna do my thing. And I'll be back and the baby will be chill. Like, yeah. so... Yeah, and in that sense, and again, when I was really thinking about it, the only reason I have anything good to say about it is that it's purely like a sensation of the the time that it came out in mm-hmm. where I was 12 years old and my world was only as complex as like going to like a movie or like, you know, having a crush on someone. Uh, so yeah. in my low stakes world, sure, the, that. But other than that, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, like a, it's like a one. Yeah. I'm I'm giving this a, a zero film. nipples as well. I do agree that it is an interesting time capsule to point to if you see any extremely toxic adult man with a military industrial complex now of like how did he get they this have way? the rock on DVD. Yeah, <laughs> this movie is a great way to be like this is the sort of propaganda that was shoved at them at a very young age, and that is why people like this exist in yeah. the world, right? Yeah, I, I, God, I think that earlier in this podcast, just going off of how jaded we've gotten via doing this podcast, and I think our listeners have too, <laughs> um, is that it's no longer, you don't get half a nip, a single nip for simply having women in your movie because the context of how those women exist yeah. is so, there's no woman that is introduced into this plot that isn't strictly with the intention of characterizing and giving more shades of gray to a man. Yeah. So there's nothing. There's nothing. Every female character with any potential is completely sidelined, half written by Lord knows what male writer did not want to be included in the credits of this movie. <laughs> 
I mean, not, I don't know. And ultimately where, you know, not to glorify toxic masculinity in any way, but like there are some bad Michael Bay movies that are sort of fun to watch. This one isn't even fun to watch for me where I have no cultural context for it. I'm like, it's just a mediocre movie that is saying bad things. Mm -hmm. So didn't enjoy the movie. Zero nipples. I'd be Mm. curious for people to like, if you're ever on a date and you're dating somebody, have the rock on DVD and it's a man as the owner mm. to challenge them what they think of the film now. Because I feel like you'll find people who can either understand how bad the movie is or some people who are still actually holding on to the, I think like it would be very telling. Cause I'm sure I have a few friends who would be like, dude, the rock's fucking sick. Like, oh, sure. you know what I mean? And I think like, yeah. it's very, I think you can use that film almost as a litmus test to see if you can, if someone we, can understand. We need to add it to Love. our, we have a litmus test list of films of like uh, red flag yeah, yeah. films. Red flag films. This for is going if on the someone list. tells you this is one of their favorite films and means it earnestly, it's right. a red flag. And if they can't that. at the very least be like, I understand it's bad. It's a nostalgia or whatever. And you can at least acknowledge that. But I right. know people who would probably fucking knuckle down and be like, yeah. dude, it's actually like the perfect action film. When you think about it, it actually, she's Grignat, and that's good. Yeah. Oh, okay. He saved a Gregnant woman. So it's bad. All right. Whatever. I don't know what this Gregnant thing is. And we oh, don't, oh, yeah. no, 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 we, we don't have time. Let's plug the video. We should plug the video because the video is hilarious. That's my plug. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, it, what is it called? There, It's this video. We'll put it in the footnotes. Okay. So across the board, zero nipple rating. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, so, so bad. Michael Bay, boo. Miles, where can people find you? Oh, I am pregnant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you can find me on, I co-host the Daily Zeitgeist, which the two of you have been uh, gracious enough to come on many times. Yay. Uh, yeah, just check out that podcast. I'm on there a lot. On Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Grey. And the video is called Am I Pregnant? So oh, it's so it good. Pregnant, Gregnant. Gregnant. All the hot ones <laughs> are all there. All the hot spellings. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> you can follow the Bechtel cast on all the social media platforms. You can um, rate and review us on iTunes. You can Donate subscribe to our, to our Patreon. Patreon. $5 a month gets you a discount on merch, which you should also buy. And it gives you two bonus episodes of the Bechtel cast Coming every up single in month. April, Juno. Ooh. Ooh. Speaking of Gregnant. Gregnant. Oh. Oof. Goodness. 16 and Gregnant. <laughs> um, Miles, thank you so much for being here. It's been thank such you a so delight. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad People I was able to come People who are 16 and were impregnated by a high schooler named Greg. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dad, my, my baby dad, Greg. <laughs> Gregnant. Uh, I'm Gregnant. Oh, what a, what I, a time. I can't handle I'm sorry that we got so sidetracked with Gregnant. It, <laughs> I'm glad you saw it. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.